And now, beginning our service, I would like ask you all to stand, and we will proclaim the unchanging manifestation. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And Lord, stand on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present the service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Будем ликовать, Иисуса прославлять, Мочи. 
Oh, oh, oh. 
Бога каждый день. Лишь открою утром свои очи. В дивном небе голубом, в хребном поле золотом восходит солнце. Всюду ты, бесконечный Бог Творец, бесконечный Бог Отец, неизменный в своем слове. Ты, милосердный и святой, будь на небе, на земле. Yeah.
have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths and the riches of the wisdom of God, the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The perfection of the Heavenly Father is the ability to shine with your sun upon the just and unjust and pour out your rains upon the righteous and unrighteous. And as we know, considering the justice of God and His holy love, the light of His Son is to give life and upon the wicked He burns them. His rains are poured out on the just to show mercy and favor and on the unjust as punishment. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We know that this promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance. This is the command again to be in the likeness of our Heavenly Father is the inheritance of the saints of all generations and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and are not able to have it. In other words, they are not students of the Heavenly Father. They can be students of the Pharisees, Sadducees, or anybody else, but not a, a person that is sent by God. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we have been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets, in which we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and so receive confirmation of our salvation in the New Testament of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4:13. <clears throat> we note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent, together with the person who represents the fatherhood of God to us. Faith is from hearing the word of God. Therefore, the word of God that we hear is the faith of God. The faith of God is information. This is information that comes from God's people, that is spoken by God's people, and has nothing to do with our emotions or feelings, and are not called to. It's called to... <clears throat> the word, uh, words of God are called to lead our emotions, to lead this hor horse where we want him to go instead of where, where they want to go. Our emotions don't often want to go where you want to go, especially if your horse isn't disciplined. Do not try to... Con uh, to... Uh, determine uh, whether you're spiritually close to God or not by what you feel because your feelings they don't have an in intellect of their own they don't understand they are supposed to be controlled and do not 
try to determine according to your feelings, your emotions, what, if everything is fine or not. You need to determine these things by the information that is given to you. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends us his word by the mouth of his people. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. Our faith is obedience to the preached word of God sent because this is the word this word is the faith of God in a specific format we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. The peace of God can rule because we clothe ourselves into the perfect love of God. A tolerant love cannot be perfect. Only a holy love can be perfect. That's Colossians 3, 14, 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. When it says in one body, that's in the body of Jesus Christ. Is this love supposed to rule? And this love is not to be upon all or demonstrated to all, but only those whom God loves. Those who he, whom God hates, we also need to hate. God loves does not love all the same. He loves his family, his own, his children. He also has people in the world who are supposed to be saved whom he loves. And as soon as they see the light of the truth, they will immediately come to him. They need to see the light. If a person is not the uh, is not a light and he goes out to evangelize, there is the regular Pharisees that will uh, draw the same kind to themselves and will both go to hell. We've noted that according to this place of Scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. The selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind, goals, and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and exclusively with his children. Jesus loved his church. He didn't love the world and all in general, but his church, and he gave himself for her, washing her with pure waters by the word, so that she may be holy and without blemish before him in love. By the word, it says, a person hears the word, receives it, and this word purifies or cleanses him. In Scripture, the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture, by the preached word of the apostles and prophets, in the form of seven unchanging elements, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, written in 2 Peter 1, 2-8. 
Oftentimes, this is called the Ladder of Peter. I was a child, I remember, and they told me, if you don't have this ladder, you won't end up in uh, in heaven, and you need to go up uh, on this ladder to heaven. We note that each of the seven qualities of the fruits of virtue, this, these are fruit, this is not the seed, we receive in the sermons of, the, in the sermon, uh, the seed, the seed of uh, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. These are seeds, but we need to grow in the soil of our heart the fruit of these virtues. And in order to grow them, our soil needs to be cleansed from dead works. It needs to be good, able, uh, uh, able to bear fruit. And so each of the seven qualities of the fruits of virtue are in each other, contain the characteristics of all the other qualities. They flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Second, these qualities, these seven virtues, are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the given qualities presented in these seven characteristics virtues are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ or riches of Christ with which we need to become rich. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, these seven unchanging characteristics, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life. And this is only possible when we leave the spiritual infancy or level of spiritual infancy. The means that we are to use to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God by inheriting these great and precious promises that are in the form of the fruits of our spirit, we become part of God's divine nature, which is why the confessions of the faith of our heart become equal in power to the words that come out of the mouth of God. The selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, is greedy, and is just temporary. You are required to do this because you are my brother, you are my mother, you are my father, my friend. That's not how God's love works. Lord, you're required because you're my God. He is not required or obligated to anyone, not fulfilling his conditions. You can say, Lord, but I'm your child. That doesn't work with God. If you entered into his presence incorrectly, then you would die. He created the first man, and he did not uh, feel sorry for him. He threw him out of the Garden of Eden when he broke one of his commandments. He did not feel uh, sorry for the two sons of Aaron and killed them with fire when they came in with profane fire. You see that God does not, feeling sorry for people who were close to him as Korah and Dathan, these people were close to him, they were on the mountain with Moses, they saw the Lord and they began to uh, desire the service of Moses and Aaron. Did God speak to you only? He, talk, he spoke to us as well. 
and the earth opened up and took them alive to hell. That's the kind of uh, love. Uh, that's the kind of love God has. It's not a human tolerant love. The power of the selective love of God in the format format of the seven qualities of unearthly virtue are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ, that is, into our new person, and destroy the stronghold of death. The bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to the seven qualities of virtue, and unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in these seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, his knowledge, his absolute wisdom, and in no way is able to be used for greedy, selfish or egotistical purposes of man because God's love is not blind as the tolerant love of man is at the same time the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical goals and purposes here's what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God set me as a seal upon your heart as a seal upon your arm for love is as strong as death, je jealousy is cruel as the grave, its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 8.6.7 In the world they say, everything is bought but with money. We just need a price. If a person is not agreeing to raise the price, you can raise the price. The greatest price is the price of life. We'll kill you or deny God, and then you'll see that people are, will be able to give their life the greatest price. It's not possible to purchase life or sell it. It is not sold for money. It is given freely by the grace that we receive in the redemption of Jesus Christ upon the conditions that God offers. And so the measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 This is taken from the 40 or 50th Psalm of David. We need to understand that evil and good are not abstract things. They're not able to demonstrate themselves out of a carrier. Evil or righteousness and lawlessness are programs. One is of God, one is of the devil. But for them to, to uh, demonstrate themselves, they need a carrier. And God and the devil are always looking for these carriers. There's a battle going on, a great battle in the heart of man so that that heart become the carrier of the program of life or the program of death. God tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. God hates the wicked, upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. 
For the Lord is righteous, he loves the righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5 through 7, I will remind us that people of the world cannot be wicked, because to be wicked, you first need to be pure and holy. In the beginning, these people were holy, were pure, God bore them, brought them to himself, and then they dared to challenge his order, became rebellious in the body of Christ, began to bring the structure of a democratic structure into the church. They resisted God and this structure then, a uh, democratic structure became then a magnet for the devil and not the Holy Spirit. God is within his structure, theocracy, theocracy, the order of the body where there's one head and the inner organs and the outer organs never participate in vote to replace uh, this head with something else or send him uh, to retire even. I'm surprised when pastors go uh, when pastors retire when a person has uh, as they say reached a specific position or level they uh, send an apostle to retire and replace him with another till the day of his death he will be healthy for the church and good for it and when he uh, he does die he will place another person anoint another person in his place that will continue the good work every apostle when he leaves he sends the next person when Elijah left he showed everyone that Elisha would take his place you don't need to vote for them you need to receive from God what he gives upon his conditions but we don't want it we have our own head we vote for someone who will deceive us and we will easily manipulate him and he will be ready that we tend him just to have a temporary glory only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, <clears throat> we are able to demonstrate God's perfection in his reaction toward the righteous who perform good and the unrighteous who perform lawlessness. The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the format of the seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of our growth in Christ or lead us into the perfection that is like the perfection of our Heavenly Father so that we can shine the light of our Son upon the just and unjust and pour out our reins according to God's intentions upon the righteous for the good and the unrighteous to punish them considering therefore that these seven qualities of virtue identifying the selective love of God do not have an analog in the earthly realm of the human lexicon in any dictionary of the world the love of God is the foundation and atmosphere of the moral and immovable law opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom and this is not all the love of God agape is a sovereign love which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses <clears throat> in its abilities to foreknow and predestine for whom he foreknew he also predestined God has the ability to foreknow before the uh, creating every one of us he knew beforehand that when we are 
met with the truth or we hear the truth, we will not resist it but receive it. And so he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8.29. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects. I stand at the door and knock. He does not open the door himself and enter. He could do this, as rulers of the world do, but they never knock. They just go and open the door, suddenly appear. The Lord will never do that. He always knocks, he always calls the man and sees if he will respond back. And of course, he always knock into, he'll always knock into a pure heart. Samuel, Samuel, God called to him. He called to him with the voice of Eli. He says, yes, I'm here. And, and Eli, Eli looked at him and told him, I did not call you. They were both sleeping and in the temple at the time. And again, the Lord called Samuel with the voice of Eli. And he goes to Eli and says, yes, my master, I, I hear you. And he tells him, when the next time the voice calls you, tell him, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Eli understood that God is calling him, but God will not speak to you if you don't understand that it's the Lord. You need to understand that it's the Lord that's calling you. And when the Lord called to him the third time, he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The Lord always wants to know that you hear him. You need to tell him about this, Lord, I, I know it is you. I know you because of your words. And will ne the, the Lord will never allow his own sovereign rights within his boundaries to be violated. These boundaries identified as his burning, uh, burning holiness. In a specific format, we've already looked at the con uh, demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and stopped to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 And all of this God has shown through his church and the people who have become the representatives of his light, that it be, be made known by the church to the uh, principalities in heaven, the many forms of God's wisdom, the angels in heaven, they see the many forms of God's wisdom by, his, by looking at the church. In hell, the church also is seen in what way? When uh, demons go there that the church has rebuked and uh, driven out and sent to hell. When the seven sons of the high priest decided to rebuke demons as Apostle Paul is doing it, we command by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. The demon was surprised to this kind of uh, they were, they were uh, the risk that they were taking 
And he uh, pretty much mocked them and undressed them and chased them around. And he told them before he began to mock them, uh, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? I remember one possessed person in the church told uh, told me, he came to me during the service and said, I have a testimony and I looked at him and saw in him a demon and I said, go sit down and after the service I will talk to you. He went and sat down quietly. When the service finished, after our service, another uh, other people were coming to that resisted me and uh, b- became rebellious and as soon as they said we'll start the service and started to pray he ran out and said in the name of Jesus Christ he took uh, the lamp that was there in the church and began to hit the the choir director and he was physically beating them the brothers and I did not even uh, leave the the building yet and a sister came to me and said help they're hitting the brothers and I said at our service nobody was hitting anyone and I do not answer for this service of course they had bound that man that that gentleman that was doing this and the way they uh, pretty much described this entire event was that he was sitting quietly in our church because the Holy Spirit wasn't here but in this next service the Holy Spirit was there which is why he was doing the things he was doing is what they said was going on which wasn't accurate of course by demonstrating the signs of the fruits of godliness we identified the true quality of the love of God agape within the heart of a man in his words his actions and the manner in which he dresses and this manner in which he dresses isn't supposed to prompt the instincts of the opposite gender we know there is a fundamental difference between the goodness of God in his favor toward man and the godliness of of man which he is called to demonstrate in his love to God the godliness of a man <clears throat> when it comes to God is his favor to God a man's grace for God and his thanksgiving the godliness of a man is the ability of man to visit the fatherless and the widow in their hardship and keep themselves from being defiled by the world when it's talking about visiting the fatherless and widow in their hardship that doesn't mean in general uh, father uh, general just widows and and the fatherless but those that are in your church those fatherless and widow sometimes people say we have to go feed the poor those that are poor they have a subsidy and other they take uh, a lot of money out of your paychecks to pay for these who don't want to work uh, but you're doing something for them organizing things when you're going to be a light they'll come to you themselves you don't need to feed them they don't want to work Apostle Paul says they don't want to work don't give them food those who don't work shouldn't eat they don't want to work 
The godliness of a man is the ability to imitate Christ and meditate about the things of the hills, see God in his good, acceptable, and perfect will. The godliness of God is his goodness as a response to the godliness of a, of, of a man toward him. This is his favor and his grace toward man, his mercifulness, his thanksgiving, his good work, his good acts, his kindness in the absolute sense of the word. Aside from these characteristics called to identify the character of godliness, there is also a counterfeit form of godliness that exists as well, that conflicts with and resists the true form of godliness. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away, 2 Timothy 3.5. From such people turn away. You see, you're not supposed to love all in general. You're always contradicting and uh, uh, pretty much resisting God's law here. You keep saying, we need to love everyone in general. It says, from such people turn away. Do not... Uh, be with uh, with these wicked ones, leave them and go out from them, it says. If we don't break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness and will not distance ourselves from them, then they will corrupt our godliness that is contained in our good habits, which is why we together with them will inherit the pre prepared for them destruction. Relevant to this fact, we have been looking at one of the signs contained in the in question four, by what signs do we determine that we collaborate our godliness with the godliness of God? This is our ability to be the clouds of God filled with His moisture and scatter His light that is turned by His guidance for correction for His land and for mercy. Also with moisture He saturates the thick clouds, He scatters His bright clouds, and they swirl about being turned by His guidance, that they may do whatever He commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come whether for correction or for his land or for his mercy. Listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced? Those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge. Job 37, 11-16. And so dispatching his clouds for correction or for his land or for mercy, according to his will, means to be a carrier of the favor and punishment of one that is perfect in knowledge. This is one of the fundamental elements by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are collaborating our favor with the favor of God. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. He's not good to all on those who felt severity but toward you goodness if you continue in his goodness otherwise you also will be cut off Romans 11:22. not looking at the fact that he showed you his goodness but if you will not <coughs> continue in that goodness then you will be cut off as those were demonstrating God's goodness toward one and his severity toward another we become carriers of his justice within his holiness the phrase, do you know, when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine, indicates the fact that not all clouds are able to be clouds that God dispatches and cause the light of its shine, but only those clouds which provide God a basis that they can contain his moisture in themselves. This is confirmed by another place of scripture. 
God binds up the waters in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. Job 26, 8, 9. In other words, the throne of God is within this cloud, in his cloud. Here it's not talking about regular clouds. It's talking about different clouds. And to differentiate the clouds of the Most High in the form of the saints that fear God from profane to his nature clouds in the form of pseudo-saints that do not have in themselves the fear of the Lord, it is necessary for us to know that our ability to provide God the basis to fill us with his moisture and our readiness to scatter his light and direct it according to his guidance is our function. By fulfilling this function, we demonstrate our favor to God the function to fill us with moisture so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit and be turned by His guidance is God's favor which is His response to our to Him favor demonstrated in our readiness to be filled with His moisture which indicates our hunger and thirst to listen to the preached word of truth. It is necessary for us to study a series of questions. First, what virtue do the scriptures give the cloud of God? What purpose does the cloud of God fulfill? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that God establish us as his clouds? And by what signs do we determine that we are truly the clouds of the Most High? First, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, <clears throat> it is necessary to scatter your light from your cloud upon the just and unjust and pour out the receive from God moisture in the form of rain upon the righteous and unrighteous. Second, we are called to release the moisture we have from our Heavenly Father in the form of rain and scatter His light according to His will and not according to our whims or conclusions. In the New Testament, the meaning consisting in the purpose of being a cloud of God is laconically presented in the following words. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8.14 which means that if we are not in accordance to the requirements of a cloud of God, capable of being filled with this moisture and scattering his light for the purpose of correcting one and demonstrating mercy upon another, then our sonhood needs to be seriously questioned. When it talks about clouds lacking moisture who are tossed to and from by all kinds of deceptive teachings that are profane to God, we have been studying the category of people located within the Church of Saints that do not have the Spirit of the Lord and resist the Spirit of the Lord. And such people, there's a lot of them in, in the churches. We've been looking at the cloud of the Most High as the category of saints that are led by the Holy Spirit by the means of their new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus and righteousness and holy truth and this means that the cloud of the most high can only be those saints that have grown into full measure of growth in Christ and are in accordance to the demands of perfection that is inherent to God furthermore we've noted that the clouds of the most high that are within God's possession is a symbol of his great mystery and is called to fulfill a vital role in the work of adopting and redeeming our body from the law of sin and death therefore the cloud of the most high in scripture is a symbol of the glory of God, the place where God abides, the clothes into which God dresses, and the midst from which the Lord speaks. In a specific format, as much as Lord has allowed, in the measure of a faith, we looked at three questions and, and will continue to study now the fourth question. What, by what signs do we determine that we are the clouds of the Most High? 
First sign by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are the clouds of the Most High consists in our deliverance from Egyptian slavery. And if we are delivered from the Egyptian slavery, that means we are the clouds of the Most High. That's how we determine it. Saints who will not allow God to deliver them from Egyptian slavery, which is identified as p the position of spiritual infancy, will never be able to be the clouds of the Most High filled with His moisture and pour out this moisture in the form of rain according to God's guidance as correction for one and as mercy for another. Second sign by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are the clouds of the Most High consists in having a goal-oriented and active waiting of the Lord Jesus. Isaiah 68, 9 Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? You see, these clouds go to the goals of God. Surely the coastlands shall wait for me. And the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, the silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Isaiah 68, 9. This unique prophetic allegory presented in an allegory inherent to the Holy Spirit is addressed to the category of saints who have loved and are waiting for the appearance of the Lord Jesus. And the given allegory in detail reveals a panorama of events that will take place at the door of our hope, where God has obligated himself to fulfill the given promise, to glorify the chosen by him remnant, as well as the condition providing God proper basis to destroy the stronghold of death in our body and erect in its place the stronghold of eternal life. The coastlands or islands waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven is a category of saints who have loved the appearance of the Lord Jesus and who have prepared themselves for rapture by the way of sanctification where she, by the cross of the Lord Jesus, has separated, her, separated herself from her nation, from her house, the house of her father, and from the corrupt desires of her soul. When we're, locking, we're talking about islands, we're talking about a sanctified person, therefore the symbol of the flying clouds as doves to their roosts is a symbol of the saints who are focused upon the goal of rapture, who use all of their strength and all of their abilities to provide God proper basis to destroy the stronghold of death in their body and erect the stronghold of life in its place. The phrase and the ships of Tarshish will come first. They fly as clouds, but the ships of Tarshish will come first, it says, to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you, indicates the condition that is necessary to be sat satisfied by the one waiting patiently for the appearance of the Lord, therefore to provide God proper basis to accomplish the promise that belongs to the door of our hope, where the stronghold of death within our body will be thrusted into hell with noise and the stronghold of life will be erected in its place, it is necessary for us to bring our sons with them and with them their silver and gold upon the ships of Tarshish, in the name of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And we after them will go 
as clouds or flies clouds. The symbol of our sons is the fruit of our mouth or the offering of praise demonstrated in the confession of the faith of God which abides in our wise heart. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Hebrews 13.15 Sons and daughters are the fruit that we have grown from the seed of the word of truth. It's talking about such a form of praise where we confess the fruit of our faith, the faith of God abiding within our heart, the silver and gold of our sons, that we together with the fruit of our spirit need to send is the unsearchable riches of Christ in the form of promises that abide within our heart that we are waiting for patiently to be fulfilled. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if, he, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Romans 8, 24, 25. We need to ask the question, how should we perceive the ships of Tarshish upon which we are called to bring to the goal placed for us by God, our sons, as the fruit of our mouth, and the silver and gold of our sons, which is the inheritance of Christ. It is quite clear that in order for us to bring our sons and the silver and gold of our sons upon the ships of Tarshish to the place for us by placed for us by God goal, consisted of destroying the stronghold of death in our body and upon its place erect the stronghold of life, it is necessary for us to build these ships. And in order to build these ships, it is necessary for us to have a specific and clear plan, which consists at least of seven parts. This is a specific time, a specific means for building of our ship, measurements and materials for building a ship shipyard where the ship is built, specialists being led by a head engineer that will build the ship, ship builders themselves and the captain of the ship, and that will actually bring us to the place where it needs to go and a route that is laid out to the place by God goal. Without these seven parts or components, our sons in the form of the fruit of our spirit and silver and gold of our sons in the form of the promises that are placed by God upon our account in Jesus Christ will not be able to be brought to the goal placed for us by God. In essence, these seven components in Scripture are presented in following the commandments that contain two parts. The first is to know the time, telling us what and when we need to do what we, what we find in the first part. And the second is knowing the statute presented in sex men, uh, the six mentioned below components, which state in what way and with what means we need to do this. He who, no, who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because of, for every matter there is a time and judgment. Though the misery of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? Ecclesiastes 8, 5 through 7. And so before we begin to study these seven components, it is necessary for us to identify what these ships of Tarshish are before we build them. Tarshish is a Phoenician port of a commercial town located at the end of Guadalquivir River flowing into the Atlantic Ocean. We probably never even heard the name of this kind of river. 
it flows into the Atlantic Ocean, and this port is named, this Phoenician, named after one of the descendants of Japheth, the son of Noah. Japheth bore Tarshish. The name Tarshish means melting house. The Phoenicians, the descendants of Japheth, the son of Noah, are experienced sailors and skilled salesmen. According to a history in ancient sa the ancient sa uh, sailor sailors and salesmen, as well as artistic shipbuilding, there was none that compared or were as good as these Phoenicians. For example, the Phoenicians were the first ever people to invent the alphabet. This is the alpha phonet uh, phonetic writing, unlike the complex Chinese hieroglyphic or Sumerian cuneiforms. The principle of the Phoenician alphabet was simple and understandable, which is why <coughs> it was adopted later by the Greek and Romans. To this an energetic nation history gives first measure and weight. Phoenicians were the first to reveal the secrets of, of producing glass, the method of finding mines or under-earth deposits and getting all kinds of rare colorful metals, as well as the ability of relief images upon metallic surfaces. Israel, Egypt, and Babylon directly dependent on the arrival of product of the Phoenician ba uh, buyers in their civilizations, silver, gold, and all kinds of other uh, precious metals by Phoenician ships. To better understand the role that the Tarshish ships play within our bodies in order to bring the ship victory and with noise forever thrust out into hell, from our bodies the stronghold of death, and in its place erect the stronghold of life, we will look at the three names of the sons of Noah from whom the earth was filled. The Phoenicians came from the line of Japheth from Tarshish, the name whose the name that was used then also for the ships, the ships of Tarshish. The name Shem, the glory of God. That's the meaning of the name Shem, the glory of God. The symbol of Shem within our essence is our spirit, who by the will of God was born from the imperishable seed of the preached word of truth. The name Japheth means may the Lord enlarge or expand. The symbol of Japheth within our essence is our soul, using intelligence and the will abilities, or our will abilities, we are called to fulfill the will of God and inherit the promise of salvation. If our mind and our will will be will be in a disconnect, God will not be able to use them for his purpose. The name Ham means hot. The symbol of Ham within our essence is our body in which we are called to discover the energy of the Holy Spirit or the eternal life of God. There's a difference between the fire of God and the fire of the devil. The fire of God contains God's life, the fire of the devil, contains death. See, there's a difference to live in God's fire where there's the life of God and suffer in the fire of the devil that contains death. Our spirit and our soul are able to demonstrate themselves by using the members of our body. 
and only using the intellectual and will abilities of our soul or our Japheth. We together are created by God according to God's own project or in the image and likeness of God, and this means that our intelligent abilities is the abilities of our mind by the means of informational power to control our will, the emotional aspect of our soul and members of our body. Information that comes from God is the energy of eternal life, identifying with itself the eternal and unforgettable order of the form-specific law of life, revealing itself in the thoughts and words that in their time remained in the entrails of God and identified God. At the same time, information that comes from the fallen cherubim is energy of eternal death, identifying with itself the eternal and unforgettable order of the formed specific law of death, revealing itself in the thoughts and words that in their time remained in the entrails of the fallen cherubim and identified the fallen cherubim. Therefore, information that comes from God is the word of God that comes from the mouth of God, which identifies the unsearchable, unsearchable mind of God. Information identifying the essence of God that comes from the mouth of God by the preached word by the delegated from God and received by us into our heart is the faith of God identifying within our heart the kingdom of heaven and the order of this kingdom. Confessing with your mouth the faith of God that abides within our heart is performing righteousness in the form of the abiding forever word of God, identifying the state and atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven within our heart. Therefore, according to the calling of our Japheth and the fruit of Tarshish, our Tarshish ships are called to bring us to the goal that is placed to us, for us by God. This is our uh, intellectual abilities that are based upon the information that we receive, the faith of God. Our mind needs to collaborate with the mind of the Lord that is within our spirit upon the condition that our Tarshish ships will, together with our uh, intellectual uh, and will abilities of our soul, will be in dependence of the control of our new person. From this we conclude that while tell specific appointed by God time, we will not receive into our heart the information about the uh, of the faith of God from the mouth of his delegated ones. We will not have any means or measurements or materials for building of these ships of faith or the route that is placed by God to reach his goal. So let us look at how shortly we can identify the measurements of these seven, of, of the measurements and all of the other goals or all of these components that we're supposed to fall, uh, follow. The first component of building the faith of God in our heart in the symbol of these Tarshish ships is a specific time. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what is the will of the Lord. Ephesians 5, 15-17 To walk circumspectly is not as the fools. The fool does not know when he needs to till the ground and when to sow. He begins to sow when he needs to be gathering fruits the fool but the wise one knows when to till the ground when to sow when to water and when to gather the fruit 
you often hear the poem that I say, but it very much matches uh, when we don't know, uh, when a, a fool doesn't know when he needs to gather. A poet uh, describes an apple tree. Uh, and so some of the trees sometimes begin to bloom before the winter uh, begins in the fall time an apple tree that confused all pretty much he says how is it that you being this beautiful apple tree decided to uh, begin to bloom right before the uh, winter season because it's not timely and it's time then to gather fruits instead of beginning to uh, bloom. Building the time of, of building your faith as these Tarshish ships is within knowing God's will. Understanding his time is knowing his will. Jeremiah 46, 17. It describes here uh, uh, what happens with a person when he does not know the will of God. They cried there, Pharaoh king of Egypt is but a noise. He has passed by the appointed time. God spoke to Pharaoh uh, by Joseph and these Pharaohs did not uh, pass, they, they did not re they did not uh, timely pass on this information to their descendants and as you know what happened with the Israelite nation because the Pharaoh did not know Joseph. If a person by, in the appointed by God time will not receive into his heart the preached word of truth about the kingdom of heaven that is called to be in his body and present with and present the stronghold of life in his body, then this means that he will pass by the appointed time. The kingdom of heaven needs to be in the three aspects of man, it needs to be in the spirit, in the soul, and the body of a man. The kingdom of heaven has its throne, from which this kingdom is ruled. I will remind us that the throne in the spirit of man, the throne of the kingdom of heaven in the spirit of man is his conscience, that is cleansed from dead works, where the elementary principles of Christ are. And because based upon this elementary principles, the conscience ju judges. The information you put there is how your conscience will judge. The throne of God in the soul of man is his renewed mind. This is, these are these Tarshish ships, the renewed mind of man that is subject to the mind of Christ. The throne of the kingdom of heaven and the body of man is our mouth. This is the rod of our mouth that confesses the faith of our heart. And that's where the Tarshish ships go. That's the route. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion in the day of trial, in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my work forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. Mm -hmm. 
The reason for why specific uh, people are not able to, in the appointed by God time, to hear God's voice uh, by those who preach and harden their heart is because their heart was connected with their nation, the house of their father, and their own corrupt desires that were clothed into fig uh, leaves that they called as their own good work or their self-service to God is how the scriptures call it as well which upon practice means that their heart was not cleansed from dead works which is why they were not able to receive into the soil of their heart the preached word of truth listen O daughter consider and incline your ear forget your own people also and your father's house so the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your lord worship him Psalm 45 10 11 when a person when can a person begin his worship uh, he first needs to hear and to hear he needs to humble and incline his ear before that person whom God has placed over him he needs to forget his father's house he needs to by the cross of the Lord Jesus die for these things and only after that will the Lord desire his beauty and begin to worship God we can conclude here that when you make a covenant with God in the baptism of water these people because of their ignorance because of their hard heart did not know in their heart the essence of the covenant and the essence of their responsibility of keeping themselves in, the, in a covenant with God. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and cast in count and count the cost so likewise whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple Luke 14 26 through 33 the second component of building our uh, in our heart the faith of God as these Tarshish ships is specific means necessary for building yourself in the faith of God the means is the preached word of truth that is anointed by the Holy Spirit with which we are to edify ourselves and turning these uh, tr truth into psalms and praise and spiritual songs. David always uh, turned these words into songs, as you know, and wrote melodies to them. And that song always, these psalms always had teaching. All the psalms that we read are teaching, and they are presented in the form of a song. And for receiving the word of God, it is necessary to be drunk with wine from which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5:18 through 20 The third component for building our faith, or the faith of God within our heart, as these Tarshish ships, is the specific measurements and materials that we need to build ourselves into house of God the measurement and materials that identify the faith of God for building ourselves into the house of God or into these Tarshish ships is the measurements and materials of the New Jerusalem that is in the teaching of Jesus Christ. 
You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they who testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. John 5, 39 through 40. When it says search the scriptures, people think they just need to search the scriptures. They don't understand that to search, the, that is the elementary principles of Jesus Christ that are all through scripture and presented in the laws, prophets, and psalms and in the New Testament is interpreted or explained. For receiving the faith of God into the soil of our heart that contains the measurements by which we need to build these Tarshish ships and the material that we are to use to build them, it is necessary to cleanse your heart from dead works and as a newborn to love the pure milk of the word. That doesn't mean to be as an infant, but to love the pure milk of the word as an infant loves it, is what it means here. That doesn't mean that we need to be as these infants. But you need to love it as an infant. He doesn't see anything but that milk. And this milk, as you know, and as experts have concluded that this milk, of uh, the breast milk, has more energy in it to pretty much uh, form the immune system inside of a man. Nothing does this or puts into the immune system so much strength as the breast milk of the mother. So a person who has not been nourished by breast milk will often be weak and prone to illness because the immune system is not well formed because of the breast milk that he's supposed to have received. The immune system that will be uh, uh, resistant to all kinds of foreign nature of thoughts is when you're nourished by the pure milk of the word of the truth that comes from the mouth of his God's delegated ones. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking in order to love, you need to first do something, and this is you need to cast off the old man with his deeds from yourself, die for your nation, the house of your father, and from your corrupt desires, and only afterwards you can, as a, as a, a babe, as a child, to love the pure milk of the word so that you can grow into salvation. As it is written, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, that but chosen by God and precious, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 5. The fourth component of building our God's faith in our heart in the form of these Tarshish ships is the necessity uh, is pretty much the necessity to have this shipyard where a uh, ship is built. And it's usually a very large territory, often on the beaches of an ocean. People use this space because it's a very large area to be able to uh, build uh, the shipyard upon which we are to build these Tarshish ships is the Church of Jesus Christ in the form of the Bride uh, of the Lamb. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Proverbs 31, 10 through 12. 
If we will not be taught how to differentiate the Church of Saints from the Synagogue of Satan, whether we want to or not, we will not have any opportunity to build these Tarshish ships. To be able to differentiate the ship, uh, shipyard that we are to, uh, that is a Church of Saints from a Synagogue of Satan, it is necessary to have the knowledge about specific names of Yahweh. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice it on your burnt off your burnt offerings upon this altar, and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you, and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone, for if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. Exodus 20, 24-26 A record of the name of Yahweh is the house of prayer. How do we identify whether this is a house of God or whether it isn't? Is there a record of his name? This church, this church of saints uh, will be identified by that. The house of prayer is the state of the heart that ha it there, where there is worship of the Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth, which is also identif as identified, as we know, in our heart, is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. If you don't know how to build yourself into this uh, kind of place of worship, your spirit, and, and the shipyard, uh, then you're not in the right church. Therefore, to differentiate the house of prayer from the ship, uh, shipyard of the criminal, it is necessary to understand the building of of the church itself. The fifth component of building our faith or the faith of God uh, in our heart in the form of these, of these Tarshish ships is our collaboration with the uh, collaboration with the specialist that will be building uh, the ship upon the shipyard therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God Hebrews 12 1 2 how are we to collaborate with these people that will be the specialists that will build us into these Tarshish ships at the head of it needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ a person who stands at the head of a service is not to draw a person to himself he's to draw them to Jesus He's not supposed to use uh, public fame for himself or he needs to lead the service in such a way that the glory be to Jesus Christ. You see people and you look at them and you see whether they're arrogant or humble and have a dignity uh, or if it's someone who just is looking for public uh, fame or is a thief. 
the sixth component of building God's faith in our heart as these Tarshish ships is to work with the sailors themselves and the captain of the ship. If you remember when Apostle Paul was on the ship and there was a great storm, if you remember when the, uh, there were, uh, Apostle Paul said if you don't let these go these uh, criminals that were on the ship with them they, if you don't release them we will not be able to escape or to survive for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us 2 Corinthians 1.20 you won't be able to pass this storming uh, ocean not knowing the route without these people that know how to lead the ship and know the route that you're to take. Our collaboration with the captain and the sailors is when we place our dependence of our mind uh, from the preached word of God and the person that represents a father of God to us for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who command themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise for not he who commends himself is approved but whom the Lord commends 2nd Corinthians 10 12 and 18 and the seventh component of building God's faith in our heart as these Tarshish ships is the route that is laid out to the appointed by God goal. Before we lay out a route, we need to identify the place where we are and the place where we need to go. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Exodus 33, 12-13 The Lord needs to reveal the route or the way. It's not possible to lay the route if we can't identify where our dislocation is or the place of our location is. Tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock, because she doesn't know the route, where you make it rest at noon, for why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? And then he shows her the route. If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock, and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. Songs of Solomon 178. In the given allergy, we see the place where the most beautiful of women is. This is one that wanders before the flocks of the beloved pretty much uh, they don't receive her she feels herself alone separated a wanderer second this place of scripture shows where she wants to go or where she's intending to go this is the place where her uh, beloved one uh, tends his flocks where he himself is and third we see the route 
to this goal from her place of wandering to where her beloved tends his flocks and finds his rest this is to walk and follow the flocks to be one who wanders is one who can't find peace one who does not have a stable place of living not having rights to be protected to identify the place of wandering it is necessary to answer the question who is the flocks of the of the beloved and the answer is that the flocks of the beloved next to the flocks of which this most beautiful woman is a wanderer is the law of Moses that identifies the service of condemnation that is called to discover sin and give power to sin that is the old person supported by organized powers of darkness and so these are these flocks of the of your companions these are this law of Moses and so there's condemnation continual condemnation telling her everything is wrong this and this and this and ro- is wrong and so she asks the beloved one show me the way that I may be able to know you and to obtain your favor find peace and so the place where the most the, the beloved one tends his own flocks and where he finds his rest where she wants to be is the law of the grace of God that identifies the service of justification where God through the Lord Jesus Christ has reconciled the world to himself and has reconciled you not accounting your sins that you may have done if you receive this justification upon his conditions you confess your sins and leave them the route that is laid out by the beloved from the law of Moses to the law of grace is the path of the cross by which the sheep walk who know the will of their of the beloved summing up these uh, flying clouds this is the end the end result is the place where the Lord tends his flocks and finds his rest the place of the law of grace is the promise that belongs to the door of our hope which is the stronghold of eternal life that is our Methuselah or our guarantee to meet the Lord in the air I trust that you've received the promise of immortality, Methuselah, who drives away death. Someone has a seed, someone has maybe not a fully matured fruit, but every one of us, God will give this fruit to make the make it perfect before him. Let us bend our knees and pray. And those who have the will or hunger to separate themselves from sin, dependence of sin, with the fears uh, that that may be in their life uh, fear of untimely death fear of illnesses fear of poverty there are many types of phobias 
to separate themselves from all phobia because as soon as a person begins to sick, get sick or uh, something hurting somewhere, there are a lot of thoughts that come from his mind. That if, if something hurts inside, that means you have cancer or something else. And you need to battle with this because not a single doctor really knows what it is. Not a single doctor. The body of a person is such a mystery. What may be poking may be the symptom of thousands of illnesses, and it's difficult to identify exactly which illness it is. And the doctor that identifies the illness, he, the one that can identify, is often intuitive. If he has the right intuition, you can identify the problem. Uh, but the reasoning behind it is not always clear and so they give you one medication or another or another and if a doctor doesn't have an intuition a person unfortunately sometimes dies from the medicines that they give or the pills that they give God has the perfect medicine when you receive that when your healing is placed upon your account in Jesus Christ and is already done for you and you this is the final state steps Lord, I cannot rely upon doctors. They're experiencing their medications on me. I receive my healing in Jesus Christ. I thank you for it. Begin to call the non-existent as existent. Begin to uh, state that you're free from sin. Yes, feelings, emotions, they will be shouting, screaming that you can't, you want these things. Don't pay attention to them. Just say what you're supposed to and your words will clothe you because you're confessing the faith of your heart. Let us bend our knees and pray. We wait for you. The Holy Spirit is upon this place to help you to break the chains. I'm going to be praying your prayer. And I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is for you. He's not against you. You heard this word. That means that the Lord is favorable to you. He, You are in the service of justification. You are where the scriptures call a virtuous wife. You've received her. And upon this place you can now walk upon the path of the flocks of the Lord and forgetting in the death of the Lord Jesus your nation, the house of your father and your destructive desires considering yourself dead to sin living for God proclaiming the not existent as existent and these confessions will be that material from which God will build your Tarshish ship your confessions they will come before the face of the Lord and he will do it in the appointed by him time pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you my heart is opened I'm wounded I am ashamed by sin I have many illnesses I have fear. I hate all of this. I hate cowardness. I hate fear. I ask you, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. By the blood of your Son, I receive into my heart your word, 
in the power of your spirit. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you but they won't touch you. May all these blessings, those of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills, may with noise your strong, the stronghold of death in your body be destroyed, thrusted out, and in its place may the stronghold of life be erected. May this be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. that blessed route from the law of curses law of condemnation to the law of grace law of reconciliation and if you are not in such a church that would preach this form of justification run from it and save your soul <clears throat> and we will finish our service with the unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.